Straight from WCHL Studios in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, it's the Sibling Rivalry Sports Show, starring Chris and C.L. Brown. Materializing into our endgame tonight, a double feature, former Indianapolis Colt, former tight end coach of the Arizona Hotshots and ESPN's football broadcaster, Charles Arbuckle. The red carpet is also out for the AAU basketball coach and new movie actor, Carl Major Potter, from It's Major, the movie. You're ready for the draft, right? You want to have the scoopage on your team, right? We'll keep it locked here. I'm like the superhero host of the NFL Draftum. Wait, 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 wait. I've got to break in here. Hey, news girl, Jessica, everyone in this studio is all about that superhero host life, okay? And if you don't mind my asking, where in the world have you been all this time? There are many sports shows in the world. Unfortunately, not all of them have you guys. Sibling Rivalry Sports. CL! <laughs> oh, man. You know what that was, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Superheroes now. We're super superhero studio hosts. <laughs> CL, you're, now you're supposed to say, like Cap said, like Cap said in the P, you're supposed to say, let's go get it. But he said something a little more strong than that. <laughs> You got your ticket, CL? No, no I, mean, I you know I'm never never a first weekend. Yes. Uh, and plus, though, I mean, I, technically, I don't even know if I'm gonna see it in the theater. Like, I might ride it out. It just kind of depends. Well, it's sold out, man. I'm going with a big group from my church tonight. Not huge, just some friends and my wife, of course. But looking forward to it, man. Looking forward to it. Well, uh, a lot of people looking forward to this NFL draft tonight. Yes. And this weekend. Yes. It's gonna be interesting. I, I, I think I I think I have the first Baltimore's first round. I think I understand what they're gonna do. I think I know. <laughs> well, I'm not gonna ask given your <laughs> last uh prediction uh when you were with that uh one website. But anyway, let's go <laughs> to the big playback and discuss this draft tonight. This is the big payback. Nick Bosa. <laughs> kind of controversial pick. Chris, what what are some of your thoughts on uh, you know, kind of what's what's been out there in his social media? So, he's he's confusing to me. He's very confusing to me. Um I just don't see how he's saying some of the things he's saying if he is uh, in, you know, with good counsel. You know, I think that, um, wow. I mean, his his brothers aren't controversial like that. I mean, that doesn't mean he has to be exactly like brothers. That's the whole premise of our show. The brothers aren't <laughs> necessarily exactly like. Uh, CL, the one thing, though, speaking of superhero CL, the one thing that sticks out to me the most, and maybe it does in others, but it does me, is saying that he hated Black Panther. I mean, I'm not saying that everybody should love Black Panther. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying to tweet, I hated it. And and I'm going to get the exact quote here, but do you have the exact what he said about Um, I I don't. I thought it, I thought it was along the lines of Black Panther's the worst Marvel movie. Okay. Well, I tell you what, um, to, to, he said something to the tune of I hated every minute of it. Now, I did see that, I, but yeah. I'll get back to it. But I just think, okay, so putting that out there, 
that's not the smartest thing because that movie was, yes, it's just a fun superhero entertainment event, but it, it, it set so many records. It means it, that means it struck a chord with, you know, part of the culture. It struck a chord, you know, it set a domestic record. I mean, just obliterated records. And so you got to say that it, it touched people in a certain way. And why would you want to alienate folks? I mean, I'm just saying, even if you didn't like it, which what's not to like, but if you didn't like it, why alienate folks? Combine that with some of the other tweets that he's had. And now we're like, is he a problem on a team? Well, uh, <laughs> along the same lines uh, and maybe more offensive Culturally speaking, um, uh, or pop culturally speaking, I should say, mm-hmm. he he had a tweet basically saying that uh, Beyonce's music was trash, and and if you know anything about that, uh, the Bayhive, <laughs> I'm sure that they would have come swarming had they known who Nick Bosa is. They probably <laughs> didn't even really, uh, probably wasn't even on their radar like that. But the thing about it is, uh, okay. I can kind of kind of chalk up if you're talking about kind of as you mentioned it struck a chord and everything. I could kind of chalk up people hating on entertainment kind of stuff, a movie, uh, a musician. You know, okay, yeah, yeah. Some people are contrarian, and and when everybody loves one thing and everybody is piling on saying this is great, somebody always is in left field saying, "Oh, I hate it." Just just to be in left field saying going against what everybody else is like. Okay, if if I give you credit for that, but he also had a tweet talking about Colin Kaepernick is a clown, and. These are real issues that Colin Kaepernick was fighting for, regardless of if you felt like you, you were in favor or of how he was doing it, how he was going about protesting and everything. The issues are very real, and we see that basically on a weekly, daily basis. Uh, we're seeing evidence of, of why he was kneeling. And so I think you're going into a locker room where there are going to be more people that look like Colin Kaepernick than look like Nick Bosa. Mm-hmm. And I'm. I just wonder how he's to gonna fit in. If if I'm his teammate, probably from day one, I'm gonna step to him and question him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm gonna see where he stands off top. If if mm-hmm. if he was coming into my locker room, because I might have a problem with him. Good grief, man! I don't want that in my locker. It, like if, if that's how players are gonna, you know, approach it, I don't even want that problem. I, like there are other edge rushers we can get. Let's, let's, you know what I'm saying? I'm just like if we got a cohesive thing going, why introduce? No, no matter how much talent there is there, uh, CL theroot.com did an article. This was the first one by Michael Harriet that I saw. Here's the t- here's the title. Okay. MAGA-loving, Colin Kaepernick-hating, top NFL draft prospect seems to hate everything black. Now, look, I don't know that I agree with every way that he's, he's you know, uh, categorizing that, that headline, but you don't want that. If you're approaching a draft as a prospect, you, that's not what you want. And that is the result of some of these tweets. Now, I do see, I do need to kind of retract, though. Um, you're right. He All he said was that uh, Black Panther was the worst Marvel movie of all time. That's that's all that the initial tweet that I saw. That's all it said. So, you know, I, I have to 
take it back. I don't know why I took it to the next step, but if I did, I'm sure other people were doing it too. For sure, would say, hey, he hate, he absolutely hates this, and man, you gotta you gotta kind of manage your public persona a little better than that. See, that's that's where I think there 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 might be some gray area with this guy because uh, initially when I was just hearing. Uh, before I actually tried to do any research behind it, when I was just kind of hearing on the surface, mm-hmm. I, I had one very strong opinion of him. As I kind of looked a little further into it, it kind of seemed it, it almost seems like he likes just poking the bear. He, he just likes pushing buttons. It almost seems like he's just an antagonist kind of guy. But that being said, still, like you're going to have people that don't do any any more research and and don't give him any benefit of doubt. Like I'm, I'm trying to give him now, um, but. He's he's gonna have to answer some questions, that's for sure. When when he gets into a locker room, but the thing to me though, more than anything else, that and this is also why I'm I'm anti NFL, as you know. Uh, what what he's doing, what he's done in exercising his freedom of speech, how how is that much different than what Colin Kaepernick did? You know what I'm saying? In terms of possibly potentially being a distraction in the locker room and a blah blah blah. You know, I mean, Colin Kaepernick took a stand. You know, Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa went back and deleted his stuff, uh, as as if he's he's you know uh, I don't know if afraid is the word I want to use, but as as if he's not going to stand for what he believes or what he put out there already. Um, so you know, I mean, I think it's a it's hypocritical league, man. Interesting. Well. Okay, so we could dive in there, CL. Right? We could dive in, but I don't. I don't think we have the time to dive in. But I just. I think that's that. There are differences there. There are stark differences between. Well, those the two. difference is Kaepernick was in the league, okay. and Bosa is not yet. Okay. Right. But if Kaepernick did that in college, there would be a lot more talk about the potential of him being a distraction, and he wouldn't be looked at as no number two draft pick. It was, he he wasn't anyway coming out of Nevada. I'm not trying to make him sound better than he was at the time, but. Mm-hmm. Um, but whenever people would discuss whenever his him as a draft pick, it would come with baggage. It would come with, I don't know about this guy. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's how they do, man. That's how they do. That's why I will not be watching any of this NFL draft. Well, I, w- <laughs> I won't be because I'm going to be in a dark theater seeing uh, how they get after Thanos. But... But I have my my you know I have my uh, my stuff coming to me my notifications and stuff like that. So, uh, man, this is a good topic, CL. Thank you for thinking of it, and we're gonna have to do some more. But I am actually more excited about our guest who is coming up. We got a couple great guests on the show, you know, sports uh, sports theme and entertainment theme, CL. But let's start with sports because that's who we are first. Coming up is Charles. R. Buckle, former NFL tight end, UCLA grad, former coach for the Arizona Hotshots tight ends, and and a broadcaster all over. This guy is a great all-around guy. You don't want to miss what he has to say. Come on back. Sibling Rivalry Sports on 97.9 The Hill. Welcome back to the Sibling Rivalry Sports Show on 97.9 The Hill. Joining us today, a special guest, a former colleague of mine, Charles Arbuckle, former tight end with UCLA, played in the NFL. His latest venture was just at the uh, with the AAF as a tight ends coach with the Arizona Hot Shots. Welcome to the show, Charles. Welcome, Charles. 
Hey, man, thanks a lot. Yeah, you said former colleague because I was at ESPN, and, you know, they had some major layoffs after about 12 years. Thought I'd get more than eight games with the hot shots, but uh, I guess the AAF had different plans for us. Yeah, let, let's well, jump somebody, into that. Somebody <laughs> in the AAF had different plans. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Was it the entire AAF or was it just certain parties in the AAF? Well, I'll say this. The money side of it was not handled the way it should have been, and that's clear as day now that we know. Um, I think Bill Polian did a nice job of getting football people in, mm-hmm. and that's one of the reasons why I went in and coached. I know, I've known Bill Polian for a long time, being in Indianapolis, and then also knowing him from his Carolina Panther days. But uh, when you don't have the money and the funding that you say you do, like Charlie Ebersaw said and Tom Dundon, uh, who's you know Carolina Hurricanes owner and top golf owner, who uh, you know, if you frequent those places, just remember where you're putting your dollars. He talked a lot about having funds for three years without even having to sell, sell a ticket. So I think we were all sold a bill of goods, uh, and it came to fruition after eight weeks that they they did not have the funds there. And, you know, fortunately for us, our organization did a nice job of letting players have a couple of days to kind of figure out what their next steps were uh, as far as travel. Some, some places were not so kind, and uh, the way they found out wasn't as uh, organized as, as Phil Savage and Rick Neuheisel uh, had organizers. So there's some, you know, the, the, at the end of the day, you were hoping that guys would get a chance to play at the next level. You were trying to develop folks and get them ready so they could play uh, and, and realize their dreams. And I think when you tell people you're trying to help them with their dreams, that's why so many people were behind this. The football was good. Uh, the organization that I was in was very good. But uh, the, the overall our overarching organization sucked at the end of the day. I mean, that's just how you have to look at it. So, Do you, uh, from, from this experience, though, um, do you feel like spring football can be successful? Like this, this is something that can be done as long as it's done the right way. I think it can be. And, and, and the one thing that was interesting was that we had, you know, our first scrimmage, we had scouts from everywhere coming down. Uh, and the Panthers have ended up, have, have ended up signing uh, Rashad Ross, who was one of our wide receivers. Yeah. Really, you know, really He's your main deep threat, maker. yes? Yeah, yeah. And Thomas Duarte, who's tight end at UCLA, uh, way after me, of course, but Thomas is signed with the Panthers. So I think the league was looking at it as a way to say, okay, you've got these guys, man, that uh, you know maybe aren't in the right situation. Maybe there's something that just happens when they're in camp and they don't make it. But that doesn't mean they're not ready. Maybe they just needed a little bit more one way or the other to get them over the hump. And that's what we were really trying to accomplish to help these guys get their dreams realized. And I think that's why spring ball, if it's not adversarial to the league, look at the USFL. Mm-hmm. Think of all the guys that ended up leaving the USFL to go on the great careers, Hall of Fame careers in some instances. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they tried to compete against the NFL, you can, that shield is a mug, man. You can't <laughs> $13 shield, brother. Mm-hmm. Y'all know that. But if you if it's not adversarial, mm-hmm. there's an opportunity, I think. You know, and, and Charles, the, the, the hot shots in particular, not only your brand of football, because as you said, that was some good football the Newton New Heisel and your coaching staff had on that field. So not only that, but uh, and I, I really like Walford. By the way, I, I would love to see Walford. You know, he, Wake Forest ACC school. I would love to see him port over and play some quarterback in the league. Have you heard any any inklings about his opportunities? 
Yeah, he ended up signing with the Rams, which I think is a great organization oh, wow. for him to go to with yeah. Bay and having a you know an opportunity. John is a very cerebral guy, and it's interesting. I didn't realize this until two or three weeks in. Will Wolford is his uncle, and Will and I played together with the Colts. Hmm. And I had told our our staff back in October we had a meeting, and they kept saying, you know, we have. Trevor Knight, and I think Trevor's a great kid. I like how he plays. They were talking about different guys, potentially. Mm-hmm. And they said they had Wolford uh, really they're slated to be a guy for us. And I said, if you get that, that kid, he's going to be starting for us at some point because that's the kind of competitor. I've watched him play throughout the course of his career here in, in the Carolinas, and he's undersized. He doesn't look, you know, he looks like a banker, which he's going to be an investment banker when it's just playing ball. Mm-hmm. And two, does he can battle, man, and he's tough as nails. And we we were able to do some things in the zone read game, but also yeah. he showed that he can get the ball down deep. And I think if he's in the right situation, uh, his mind will help him uh, make up for any lack of height and any other skill set you may think he doesn't have. He he wants to fight you now every day. He's mm-hmm. in there grinding every single day, and it was good to be around him and watch him compete and play. And you know, he made our team a lot better. Yes, he did. Hey, hey, Charles. So, okay, I, I'm CL. I'm willing to put my my consistent AAF. I always bring it up, Charles. I've I've been bringing up the AAF for for weeks and weeks on the show. Even when you know we were supposed to be talking like March Madness and stuff, I'm always bringing up the AAF. Okay, so I'm willing to put it to bed, CL. Right here, right now, with Charles Arbuckle. And I just want to ask you one thing. Do you think that we have totally seen the last of the brands? And I'm talking about, like, the Hot Shots, you know, the the Orlando Apollos. I think there are some brands in the in the AAF that were they were uh, tra- I thought they were transcendent I thought they were like these are brands yeah. that can last for a long time the Hot Shots that is a really that's an excellent brand you think we've seen the last of it or do you think maybe the XFL would creep in and say hey why don't we do something here or is it over you know the thing is you guys remember those 70 sitcoms when we were growing up and they would say to be continued <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> you know good times AJ is <laughs> You know, a loafing, and he's. You know, <laughs> me, I really do think there's an opportunity for the Orlando Apollos and the Hot Shots. The Hot Shots were built on the firefighters that lost their lives. Yes. And, and the Hot Shots are the organization that goes in first. They're the guys that go in before anybody. So the, uh, it was a great story. We had a night yeah. where all of those families of the guys that lost their lives. Uh, I think it's a Granite Hill uh, fire that happened uh, years ago. And they were they were the first ones on the scene, and they, they all lost their lives. But we got a chance to honor them one night. So for me, it became more than just a, a name of a team. It became shaking those uh, parents and loved ones' hands and telling them thank you while they're telling us thank you. know, they're telling me thank you. It, it still gives me chills for that night when we were able to honor them. We didn't play well that night. We didn't win. But I think to your point, there's some teams in this league that could still have a, a life because their their infrastructure is there, and I think people were starting to get involved with the, you know, whether it's San Diego Fleet or the mm-hmm. Orlando Apollos, but I, I really would like to see the Arizona, if they continue to play in the, in the XFL or continue to play, it'd be great to see that, uh, you know, that league name stay the same and then become an XFL team. There's some talk about it, but I just don't know if Vince McMahon has any love for those organizations or if he just says strictly we don't want them. I think if Oliver Luck is smart, he would take some of those teams 
uh, San, Diego, San, San Antonio Commanders, mm-hmm. and they were averaging 30,000 fans. Yeah. You went yep. down there, you felt like I, that was the last game we ever played, mm-hmm. and it was, I mean, they had folks tailgating. It felt like a college atmosphere. Being from Texas, San Antonio has always been one of those uh, or, you know, places where they've wanted a team but haven't been able to get one, and I think it'd be great for them to have that opportunity. Yes. Yeah. Speaking individually, Charles, uh, what what do you like better? I mean, you you got that taste of of being back on the sideline, or or did you prefer being up in the booth calling games? Like, what what's in the future for for you? Do you see yourself uh, trying to get back out there? Well, I think with coaching, the problem when we got all let go is that most of the college situations, all of the pro situations are already, you know, taken up. So I could see myself continuing to coach here locally in high school, doing some things like I was doing before, working with guys as they get into the, you know, draft prep and even just kind of helping them fine tune their game. I think coaching has really helped me become a better broadcaster. So I don't know if I'd ever stop coaching now that I've done it. It Mm. just may not be at the structured with, with an organization, but I can tell you this, any guys that go anywhere, I'm going to visit their camps, I'm going to go see OTAs, because to me it's always, what can you learn in the game of football? There's so much that you think you know, but then there's also things that you're just constantly learning and, and growing, and I think that's going to help me you know, continue to do do things like this, but just really get a sense of how it is now that I've got the, the, the coach coaching under my belt. Yeah, we uh, before we transition to the NFL draft, I, I there's a narrative that I've seen, and and it's probably my fault for going down this rabbit hole uh, on social media. But I've seen I've seen this kind of narrative talking about Clemson football and the ACC and how. Mm-hmm. Basically, the ACC is weak right now, so it's like Clemson has a pass until they get to the the. They're not challenged enough in the regular season, and they have it easy until they get to uh, the postseason, and and they're better rested and that kind of thing. Hadn't been tested, and that's that was why they had the success against Alabama. Alabama plays SEC schedule, <laughs> toughest in the land. <laughs> I just wanted to see if you could your, get your thoughts on if you could expound on that. Well, every year Clemson has had a bump in the road, right? Mm-hmm. Last year was a year where they really just kind of uh, went through it and didn't struggle as much. But remember when uh, you know Trevor Lawrence gets knocked out, they have mm-hmm. a, a situation where it looks like, oh, it's kind of dicey. Yeah, yep. I, I think every year they've struggled with that. The one thing I give Clemson credit for is that they'll go play away from home and they'll go play. You know, They have to play an SEC team at least – twice a year it seems like for them where whether South Carolina because it's a natural rival. Mm-hmm. I love Alabama and I think they're great. But I I would like to see Alabama travel outside of the neutral site games. I'd like to see them go play at Washington. I'm just using oh, that yeah. as an example. Yeah. Somewhere where they get outside of their comfort zone. Go play in Madison, Wisconsin. I want to see you in those kind of situations because to me, going to play Duke in two thousand eleven doesn't constitute as a true road game. Uh, and at the time, Duke wasn't as good as they are now, even. Yeah. I'm saying go and play. It, it just it would be nice sometimes, and it's not just Alabama. We see that sometimes with Florida. We see that with some of the SEC schools. So I give Clemson credit that they'll go play, and they always have. Now, was the ACC as strong last year? No, but there's still bumps in the road when you play 
y'all like y'all have y'all sibling rivalry. I always talk about conference rivalry like this. Yes, so people yes. People know you better than anybody else. They right. watch you at family reunions. They watch all your flaws. They know how to to get to you. And I think that happens in conference play. Even when the ACC isn't as strong, I still think there's opportunities to get beat because uh-huh. it's hard to play 14, 13 games and be at your height. So, you know, here's what I do with Clemson. I can remember when I first started covering them, people would talk about, oh, they're never going to win more than 10 games. Dabo has done a really nice job of of getting very, very good defensive linemen. We're going to see maybe four potentially in the first two or three rounds. That's right. If if, if not, you know, by the first three rounds, you'll see all those Clemson D-line guys gone. He's done a nice job on the offensive side doing it as well and staff continuity. Mm-hmm. When you can have those things, that's why you can go and play in Alabama and beat them as solidly as you did because the guys that are playing for you, they don't care who's in front of them. They're not fearful anymore, and they know they're peaking for that game. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, if, if the ACC is down, so be it. I, I'd say the SEC at times is not as strong as we want to make it. Definitely now, the SEC East. Meat grinder, yeah. But until the East True. becomes solidly strong, where Tennessee comes back and Florida is consistent, mm-hmm. Georgia we know is is the cream of the crop over there right now. Mm-hmm. But is that going to stay the same? To me, that's when I start saying, okay, let let let's let's re- reconfigure that a little bit because uh, Clemson has been able to beat Alabama, and no matter how they've been able to do it, they've been able to do it because they built their team just like Bama or even better. Mm-hmm. Well said, sir. Well said. Uh, and good questions. Yeah, that's that's, a, that's an awesome question. You know, I mean, and 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 just let me just say, what if if anybody is complaining about Clemson and that whole thing, you just got to say they went to like you said, Charles. They went to Texas A and M week two last season, and they they barely escaped with that one. And Texas A and M super game. That that's game right there. So I'm, I mean, hey, I, I, I've, I've watched. Syracuse get better and push. Yes, the year before I, I saw that game live. So you, you know the thing. Hey Charles, did you do that game? Did you uh, did you yeah. broadcast that game? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I remember. Yeah, I, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, and it was interesting to you know talk to Dabo and uh, Dino before the game because they both you know had had kind of learned and cut their teeth under. Uh, Homer Smith, who was my offensive coordinator at UCLA when I first got there. So it was interesting just to be on the field and talking to those guys before the game about just football, you know, just about how they've learned the game and what it was like. And then Syracuse really pushed them, uh, you know, and it, it made it tough on, on Clemson that night. But that, that's, that's the, those are the kind of things you look at when you are in a conference situation where it gets a lot tougher, where you have to travel and, and play in a place like that. What was interesting, guys, before – before the game got out of hand or before, you know, uh, Clemson really started struggling, Syracuse's folks came in at the beginning, then they left. And then when the game, when they saw that there was a, a real <laughs> game, they all filed back in. It was crazy to watch how that happened. Wow, that's funny. Well, we are, we're running out of time here, Charles. We want to uh, conclude on, on an NFL draft note with it coming uh, up tonight. I'm just curious out of, of – Everybody, you know, we we know a bunch of the big names. Obviously, the Kyler Murrays of the world, um, who who will hear their name tonight. Is there anybody you looking at as as kind of a dark horse, somebody under the radar, who you really like in this draft and and think they have the potential to be, uh, you know, NFL 
uh, if not superstar, just a longtime good player in the league? Yeah, here's a couple of guys I want you to think about. Um, Nate Davis, who played at UNCC, mm-hmm. I got a chance to coach with his uh, his college coach, Chris Solfo, and spent some time with Nate. Nate, Nate may be, you know, not a high-round drive uh, draft pick, but I think he's a potential starter and a guy that could have a long career as a guard. I'll say this, Noah Fant, TJ Hawkinson is getting a lot of credit, but Noah Fant could be one of those guys, uh, the, the two bookend Iowa tight ends who may have even more success and depending on what situation he goes to, could have a longer career. And then, you know, all the wideouts that I've been hearing about, I love Marquise Brown, I like Kelvin Harmon, Debo Samuel, you know, I like DK Metcalf, but I'm surprised there hasn't been more talk about J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Now, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside from Stanford isn't going to test the best in the 40, but he's a he's a problem, and he's a matchup guy, mm-hmm. and he almost reminds me of Keyshawn Johnson when Keyshawn was young, high pointing the ball, all before all these new wave guys like Julio has come in, and we're starting to see more and more now that that that's become the vogue because he's just such a matchup issue and a matchup problem. I think J.J. is out of uh, South Carolina, by the way, as well. So I'm just kind of curious to see some of those guys. Nikhil Harry, another one out of Arizona State, can present some problems. And, you know, if you look at the running back position, Jalen Hurd is interesting because he's a running back slash receiver, uh, never really took off at at, uh, Tennessee, but I think he could be an issue and a matchup guy that at the next level coming out of Baylor now. I think he was injured late in the year. So just a couple of guys. I mean, there's so much talk about the quarterbacks. You can spend time there, but it's always interesting to just look at the old linemen and then also some of the skilled guys that aren't the ones that are talked about like Kyler Murray and some of the other guys. I like how you, uh, one of the first people you mentioned was the tight end. Just staying true yeah, to you your go. core. Yes. <laughs> well, I gave Nate Davis an old lineman credit first because I think if you look at how things are built, you've got to build from the inside out. And the O-line and D-line to me is where it really starts. And being a tight end, you go in the O-line meeting room, so you get a sense of who the issues are on defense right away. But you also know as a receiver what i got to do down the field. So. Yeah, man, it'd be good. We can we can do it again, especially as this drive takes place and uh, come back and talk about it. Because to me, you know, everybody talks about who won the draft. Well, you won't know that until you get down the road, right? That's right. Until yeah. we really see these guys with pads on. Because going out there in underwear Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> underwear Olympics. Well, great. Well. Charles Arbuckle, we appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you for coming on with us. We definitely want to get you back. back. Yeah. And uh, in the, studio, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, and for I, I love to do it. Y'all have a good one. It's good talking to you. All right. Appreciate you. And come on back to the sibling rivalry sports show on 97.9 The Hill after the break. Welcome back to Sibling Rivalry Sports on 97.9 The Hill, where we always chill. The definition of chill is our guest that we have right now. This young, uh, budding and, and blooming producer is also, uh, he's an experienced um, coach. He's an experienced player. I don't know if I told you this, CL, he played semi-pro football. And this guy played running back. This guy was a 
beast in the backfield. Uh, and, yeah, we had many a conversation about that. Um, a man about town, a man about his community. He does it all. And now he has done a movie, which I think is just incredible. Please help us to welcome Carl Major Potter to the show. Carl, thank you so much for being here with us. My pleasure, sir. Carl is... Carl calls me sir because, you know, that's a little... He, he takes hits at me because of my age. That's, <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, that's, that's, that's respect. That's respect coming from Carl. But, Carl, it's major. The movie. It's major. The movie. What happens when a small-town basketball coach is tasked with getting his deserving but disadvantaged team to a big tournament? Can he pull it off? That's what we got going. Carl, how in the world... Carl, did you go? Did you did you wind up with a movie? Now you produced. Um, I mean, you are the man behind the uh, the amateur rap annual amateur rap uh, festival. Is that, I, I know I'm not saying it right, Carl. It's the North Carolina Underground Music Awards. It's a uh, pretty much a stage that I set to help you know independent artists all over North Carolina and parts of South Carolina be able to uh, have a stage to, uh, you know, show their talents and, you know, bringing in A&Rs and labels and different things, just basically trying to get the Carolina as a whole to, you know, collaborate and, you know, help each other out. You know, that's how the other big places in the music world does it and uh, just trying to, you know, get get uh, uh you know our state on the map as well so you're used to the big stage in a nutshell how did the movie come about well my my sister she's very talented she she's went to film school she's been to you know uh all kinds of uh seminars and she done plays and stuff with tyler perry and like she she's been behind the scene on uh and loving hip hop and a lot of the different shows and things that's on TV, and she did it for a long behind the scenes to to the point where she she figured it out on her own and uh, you know financially got on uh, positions to where she can do films and stuff. Her own. She's been trying to get me to get into acting and you know the music more heavily, but you know. You know, being from Winston-Salem, North Carolina, small town, you know, you, you be on the go a lot. And I just never really, you know, followed what she was telling me to do until she, she kind of made me <laughs> just go around. She was like, listen, you know, what you do for the community and what you do is, you know, powerful. And uh, basically, uh, the the movie is based on a true story. Basically, I uh, took a, a team to Atlanta and, you know, asked her, can we stay with her? you know, for a while and, uh, you know, during the tournament, you know, and it just sparked the idea for as a movie. And I, I kind of took the opportunity since I really wanted to help teams and I want people to know, you know, how it is for a coach, you know, dealing with kids mm -hmm. and, and, you know, in, in bad home situations and stuff and, and how, how it is for a coach on and off the court, you know, doing the basketball and off the court you know, in their living situations and things like that. So I, I wouldn't pass up an opportunity like that to, uh, you know, get get that out in the open so people can really understand what goes on. Yeah, so Carl and I used to work together, and, and I still tell my wife, Carl, some of the biggest laughs that I've had in the last decade 
<laughs> have been because of you, sir. And folks, this this man is hilarious. He he's got he can deliver it on the screen. He's just got a touch. And so, Carl, when when we come back, we got a break for commercial. But when we come back, you know, we want to talk about how people can be able to to see the movie and and participate in that way. And then we want to talk some sports too because you got some pretty strong sport. Well, I don't know if strong is a word to use for the Falcons these days, but you you got some opinions. <laughs> So when we come back, folks, we're still going to be with Carl Major Potter, actor, coach, entrepreneur. Come on back to Sibling Rivalry Sports on 97.9 The Hill. Welcome back to Sibling Rivalry Sports on 97.9 The Hill. Here with Carl Major Potter of It's Major, the movie. Carl, if if we want to see it, I know that you had a premiere that looked very successful. One of your red carpet premieres, you've had them on both coasts and different parts of the country, but you had one this past Saturday in Winston-Salem that looked like it was a great turnout and everything. If somebody wants to see it, though, how can we see it? How can we participate? Well, right now we're we're still doing a tour. Uh, like I said, we've been in L.A., Atlanta, um, here in Winston Salem. Uh, we we'll be this upcoming weekend. We'll be in Kentucky, Louisville, Kentucky. And then that will be after after that we'll be in Maryland, which is uh, Tawana Braxton's uh, home state. So we'll uh, after that tour. What they what they'll be doing then is uh certain states they'll be in played in the AMCs and different things like that. But uh, after that, you know, uh, they'll be like on uh, uh, into Redbox, uh, Netflix, uh, your PlayStations, um, Xbox, like they'll be available on all social media uh, that way. But we'll be uh, shooting uh, the follow up called Major Christmas in June. Um, I believe that the second film will be probably on a, a more of a larger scale as far as where it's, where it's being played and everything. But everything is a learning process, and uh, you know, as we grow and we continue to release movies, uh, you know, they'll be on a larger scale of where, where they'll be playing that and everything. Yeah, Carl. Uh, so go to uh, itsmajormovie.com. dot uh, com. That way, you'll be able to you know get more information and. and, and pretty much where the movie will be playing and, uh, you know, just more information on the whole movement. Yeah. Carl, out of curiosity, were, did you, uh, were you able to have any of that original team that you took to Atlanta? Were they able to also be in the movie? Any of the yes, players? We, uh, oh, yeah, definitely. We had uh, at least four or five of our kids uh, that are actually on the team in the movie. But you know, as uh, producers and everything, they they have to implement actors. So some yeah. of the guys that were on the team were actors, but most of them were our uh, original players. So that was a good thing. Yeah, and and was it one of those things where it, while you were living it, like while you were going through just kind of some of the storylines that appeared, where where you did you have it in your mind, like hey, this this would be good to put into a movie, or, or this is this is kind of. Uh, this narrative is developing. This keeps stuff keeps on happening. I think this would be interesting to put out there like that. Yeah, uh, it basically uh, shows 
like a lot of people don't understand, you know, what coaches go through and why coaches do certain things. And uh, but the, some of the reasons that uh, this move is important to show that there's kids that when they leave your practices, they they going home to to houses where parents own drugs or parents are struggling or there's no food, you know, different things like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, a lot of the coaches don't understand, uh, you know, that they have to be involved with the kids, not just, you know, when they're on the court and, and scoring that ball for them and everything, but how, how their well-being when they're at the house, are, are they eating, uh, how are they grades, and, you know, so there, there's a part in the movie where there's a kid that he has a struggling um, mother and she's a single parent and uh, he tries to go and, uh, you know, help with the income. And uh, he's in a bad neighborhood where there's a lot of kids that's, you know, involved in selling drugs and things like that. And it looks appealing to him. And, you know, uh, they kind of influence him to, you know, get the quick money. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and he ended up getting in trouble. And, uh, you know, we helped him out. And, you know, at the end of the story, you know, there's a message basically, you know, showing that there's more than one way, you know, to, to make it out of bad situations and uh and it's showing that there are coaches out here that you know that do care and there's other people that are willing to help you know these kids get to you know where they need to be so all right all right all right carl what would you like to see for the atlanta falcons tonight in the nfl draft which is in minutes here what would you like to see them do in the first round i would say we we, we need some linemen <laughs> to to me personally, I feel like we need linemen. We need to go after offensive linemen, and um, you know, so we can protect the best quarterback in the league, Matt Ryan, uh, <laughs> so he can do what he do. <laughs> okay, hold on, and, wait, um, hold on. No, I'm just I'm just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> possibly, possibly some you know some some uh, some some DBs. Uh, so, some more uh, DBs, but uh, other than that, I think uh, we get some offensive linemen, man. You, you'll see us in the Super Bowl again. Oh my <laughs> gosh! Uh, here we go! Here we go! And you know what? That's why this this gentleman came out with a movie because he is just relentless in his belief and his his pursuit of of what he believes in. So there, I got to give it to you. Uh, we got to roll out of here, but I did want to say, uh, folks, one little known fact: I was offered a role. Um, in its major, and I wanted the role, but I was I, I Hollywooded it too up uh, too much. I was like, well, let me see a script. Uh, n- next time, I've learned to if you're offered a role, just say sure, and then let it play out instead of especially if this is the movie star who comes to you and offers you a role. Don't say, well, let me see a script. Oh my, what? But for, hey, for ma- major Christmas, I look forward to whatever role. Uh, Carl, you you got for me, man. Um, yeah, oh, definitely. Right. I, I <laughs> you know you know I, I owe you a lot, man. We we definitely gotta get get, get Chris Brown in the movie, man. You owe me nothing, you actually, sir. You like you actually funny too, man. <laughs> you're, you're a funny guy. Well, remember that when the screenwriting is going on, and I, let me give you my agent's number off here. Okay, hey, listen, um, hey, PlayStation 4, too, the last thing I want to say, PlayStation 4, so I could totally see downloading the movie on PlayStation 4, but just an idea for for uh, Sinedria, Sin- Sin- is that how you say your sister's name, Sinedria? Yeah, Sinedria Arne Potter Holt. 
Yes. Fascinating, fascinating pictures. All right, so here's an idea that you could pass on to her. Um, why don't you guys just include a quick little game? This would be easy to get coded. I can help you with that. Where it's all it is is you as a running back just running down the field and smashing people. Just a, a simple little game, you know, with like throwing it back to eight big days and just have a little. Yeah. Yes. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. There you go. That'll be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> they would sell like hotcakes. Okay, we gotta we gotta have Carl Potter in the studio. Carl, at Christmas we're getting you in the studio, sir. We are getting we're gonna get on your schedule. We're gonna get you in the studio. But thank you so much for joining us uh, for the show and and best wishes. Totally, you know, I, I hope that that film blows up and I look forward to not only seeing it in a theater somewhere but getting it, you know, getting my own copy. Thank you. It's majormovie.com. Uh, Carl Major Potter. Thank you, Carl. Thanks so much, Carl. Thank you so much. All right, we got to get out of here, CL. We got to get out of here. Uh, I got to get out the door to go see this in game. I imagine you have a few things you might have to do. That won't include watching the NFL draft, but yes. <laughs> oh, man. Woo. Okay, well, thank you all for tuning into the show. Uh, we look forward to another great show next week. I'm Chris Brown. I'm CL Brown. And this is Sibling, Sibling Rivalry, Rivalry Sports, Sports on 97.9 The Hill.